We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up? What's going on? It's the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We are recording on a Monday morning. Um, it's been a busy last week with the GM meetings and everything, so Scott, I think we have a lot to talk about today. We have baseball news, and we have a lot of baseball news. There were a lot of guys that the Yankee fans are very familiar with that are no longer on the team, so we have uh, the hot stove, to me, has officially started, and the Yankees were, I'd say, one of the first guys to jump into it. It's getting hot, hot, hot. That was ter- <laughs> I'm so mad I just did that. That's okay. I'm glad you did it. <laughs> um, yeah, before we get into that, though, um, I don't know. Did you watch the NFL this week? This weekend? It was pretty entertaining, I think. Yeah, I had a different position because uh, my Jets lost on Thursday night to, uh, to Rex Ryan, which was – I can't even describe how angry I was on Thursday night. But could, um, could you tell the uniforms apart? <clears throat> Are you colorblind? Yeah, no, I'm not colorblind. I did see that with everybody having that problem. And then I saw, I don't know if you saw the Deadspin article where they, they recreated it so you could see exactly, you know, what people were seeing if they were uh, red and green colorblind. Oh, I didn't it's pretty that. crazy. I'll yeah, it's just, it's really like desaturated, I would say, is the best way to describe it. But it's confusing because their helmets look exactly the same. And uh, like there's no definitive mark on it besides the logo, but the logo like kind of blends into the rest of the color. So yeah, I could definitely see how that would be really frustrating for someone who's colorblind. Yeah, I mean, it looked like Christmas threw up all over the field with those colors. For those yeah, who it was were not colorblind. I don't think they realized that, you know, I don't know if they even thought about the, the green and red 
connection with that with Christmas, and it did look like that. Though you're right. I don't know if I'm uh, I'm on board with this color splash thing. Well, to, for those who were colorblind, they could just tell the which team the Jets were because they were the one fumbling the ball and running around with their heads cut off, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You're awesome. <laughs> hey, yes, it was, that was frustrating. Oh, God, I mean, you know, there's so many, so many things that could go a different way in football. I mean, obviously, you know that because you guys should have lost the game last night mm-hmm. if that kid from Alabama could catch a ball, uh, the safety from the Giants. Yep. All you have to do is catch the ball. Catch the ball, kid. Game over. I feel dirty after that Patriots win over the Giants yesterday. Yeah. It was was definitely ugly. The Giants are one of those teams, and I know we have a ton of Giants fans listening. Um, The Giants are one of those teams, when they play the Patriots, they step up their game. They look like one of the, you know, a a juggernaut that cannot be stopped against the Patriots. It's kind of amazing. Um, And I'm sure Giants fans get pretty aggravated because, frankly, they're pretty mediocre otherwise. I mean, you see them lose a game like they lost to the Saints when it's like they can't they can't stop a nosebleed, and then they they play unbelievable against the Patriots, who are a much better team than the Saints. So I, I really can't explain it. It's just one of those things. The Giants have been like that for a long time, though. Ever since really since Eli Manning's been there, they have been so up and down, and it's it goes a lot with the way he plays. Like I I don't I can't describe it, and I know he's always going to be in the conversations. Of, of like great quarterbacks because of the Super Bowls. Uh, but when you watch him on an every week basis, it's just really hard to get around that concept because some, some games he looks amazing and he looks like an all-world talent. And then other games, he just looks like he's completely lost out there and has no idea what's going on. So he's kind of an anomaly to me, uh, but he does step up in big games. That you cannot take away from him. He's, I mean, he's kind of the complete opposite of his brother who has more <laughs> yeah. talent has more smarts. He he's you know he can read a defense way better than Eli. He's got all that stuff, but then he kind of poops himself in big games. Eli's the complete opposite. And I think Peyton is, if you look at their like physical football talent, not mental, but like just physical football talent. Eli's the 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 bigger, stronger guy with a bigger arm. At and this point, he's got he's got more physical tools. Even I think at their prime, I mean, I think Eli was the more physical quarterback. It's just that Peyton was you know had the ability and still does he just i don't think he's he's not there physically to you know break down the defenses and just outsmart everybody whereas eli i think does more of it on his arm because he does have a big arm um but yeah you saw what happened to peyton last night i mean yesterday that was that was brutal to watch i mean i just started seeing the highlights were brutal that's so i was obviously i didn't watch any of that game i was focused on the giants patriots game but he's injured or was he benched because he just stunk well, so coming into it, I think he had rib an a rib injury was was what they were talking about, and then later in the week they started talking about an ankle injury. And when I heard them talk about an ankle injury, I was like, oh man, this is not going to be good because if he doesn't have his feet or if he can't push off at all, he doesn't have any arm strength. So right. he needs his lower half to to get into a throw. And I mean, he's already with, with a lower half that's that's healthy. He's barely making the throws. So if he has an injured lower half and ankle. Uh, similar to what he did last year, it's, it, it, it very well could be the end of Peyton Manning because um, if he doesn't have anything to drive, if he doesn't have his legs to drive into that throw, he's not an NFL quarterback at this point. I don't care how smart you are. Yeah, so he broke that passing record yesterday, and then he gets yeah. benched in the same game. Yeah, so he was benched. He was That was a benching. Yeah, yeah. that was... That was an absolute benching. Yeah, it was. I think he had four interceptions. I, I mean, when will you ever see that again? Where a guy becomes the all-time passing leader and then gets benched a half? No, hour you'll later. never see that again. That That's will never insane. happen. 
I mean, thank thank God I benched him on my fantasy team because he ended up with minus six points <laughs> for the for on the day, and I had uh, I had Blake Bortles in there, who's my like new hope. So I remember yeah. the only time I got minus points out of a quarterback was a few years ago. I had Jay Cutler on um, on my team, and I think it was against the Giants where he got sacked like seven times through two picks and only completed like one pass for six yards, and I got minus points. Yeah, Jay Cutler is one of those guys who's good for a, a negative, uh, a negative week here and there. Yeah, but I mean, I don't ever remember that happening uh, before, where a quarterback just puts up a, a a minus. That's that's pretty brutal. It's bad. I mean, if you and if you watch the throws too, I mean, they're just like ducks flying in the air. I mean, anybody could have got them. It was a there. A few of them were just jump balls. It was it was real bad. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of sad to watch. Um, if obviously Peyton's not healthy, you're kind of fearful that he's just going to get clocked one time and that's going to be the end of it sort of like with Wes Welker I don't know if you saw this but Welker played yesterday for the Rams yeah. um that dude it's he's seeing stars I mean I don't know why that guy is allowed to play he's been concussed so many times I don't know why his family or he actually doesn't doesn't see the doesn't see I mean I know he sees light every time he gets hit he sees light <laughs> but he doesn't see the he doesn't see the true you know future of of how of how you know how bad it could get later in life, man, with all these concussions. So I, I don't understand. Know. You, guys. You, I mean, I know he gave a lot of money away at the Kentucky Derby, but he's got to have some banked, uh, you know, for long term in his family. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I know some guys just don't want to give it up. They they're addicted to the adrenaline rush of playing in the NFL or playing in Major League Baseball or whatever it is. But like you said, at a certain point, death is not worth it. And it's not even like he signed on a on a Super Bowl contender. I mean. The Jeff Fisher-led Rams are, are destined for 8-8, eight and eight, so right. I'm not really sure why he why he's doing this. He obviously just wants to play football, so... Well, you know, it's funny because maybe if he had waited a week uh, with this Edelman injury, there could have been a spot up in New England. I thought about that, too, when Edelman went down yesterday. Hopefully yeah. that's not season-ending, but he, got a, he has a broken bone in his foot. I know it was has... so weird. When you look at the replay, though, I didn't see anything in the foot. It looked like the knee torqued. It was a foot for sure. Yep, uh, yeah, it was reported this morning that it was a broken bone in his foot, and he walked off the field. Um, I mean, we saw that with Dez, too, right? Um, yeah, it's like the Liz Frank. Weeks. Yeah, um, that's a bad injury for a receiver when they have to cut and make all those, especially, especially for Edelman. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Dez is, um, I mean, he does run over the middle of the field, but he's more of a sideline guy where yeah. Edelman's just running five-yard routes. and, and He's cutting cut. every yeah. every five feet. <laughs> I mean, he might be back for the playoffs, but even then, who knows how healthy he's going to be. That's definitely going to hurt the offense. It is. I mean, you have Amendola, who's played that role before. So, you know, that's a guy who, I mean, he slotted in last night or yesterday, and I think he had, what, 10 catches. He, yeah, he had a great game. He's Edelman's, not the same guy, but, but Edelman's still. one of those guys that him and Brady are just on the same page. Um, it's kind of hard to replace something like that. Oh, shut up. It's so ridiculous. I can't handle you talking like this because you know what's going to happen. They're just going to plug and play and nothing will be be different. For For most guys, I mean, obviously it's not like if Gronk went down, I think that would be worse. But Edelman's the number two offensive guy in that. That's fine, but Wes Welker was that guy before, and then Edelman filled in. So it's it's now Amendola is going to fill in. Or if it's not going to be him, it's going to be probably James White or somebody that they'll just plug in that spot and everything will just be fine. Hey, I hope you're right. I, I can't. You you crying about that is is. I'm not, not crying. I'm not crying. Zero emotions for that. Yeah, I don't expect many I, people to be sympathetic here. No, I really hope it doesn't work. Actually, badly. Um, I was a big Giants fan yesterday. All right, so we do have a ton of stuff to get to. As I said earlier, the baseball GM meetings were this week, and 
Uh, it was a pretty busy week. A lot of, uh, especially for the Yankees, a lot of things happened. Um, it's kind of kind of fun to see. Uh, kind of been a slow few weeks after the, the baseball season ended. I know we talked last week to Rob from uh, Pinstripe Prospect about um, what sort of the Yankees' options were going into the offseason, and we said that trades and, and specifically trading some of their minor league guys for um, and some of their depth guys for major league talent is is what he expects to happen. And I know Joel Sherman wrote that as well. He expects the Yankees to be extremely busy this offseason, but not in free agent signings, which is uh, pretty different from you know, the last 20 years with this team. Well, and you know something that's interesting too, because last week we talked, when we were talking with, with Rob, we, you know, we mentioned a few spots in the minor league system that is just, you know, chock full of talent. And specifically we're talking about up the middle um, on the, in the infield uh, catchers, a, a spot that we have a lot of depth, but you know, not, not only are we, or has cash been in this past week traded for major league talent, but he's kind of, shuffled the minor league talent as well where you know we saw the the Perella and I know we're going to get more into these these trades specifically but you know just just on the surface looking at Perella who's a, a middle infielder utility guy um, but not trading him for a major leaguer but really kind of just doubling down and and trading for a, a minor league guy who is in you know uh, a ball uh, that has a lot of potential so it's you know he's he's kind of adding to the depth as well which is I think a, you know a strong move and Perella was one of those guys where Let's be honest. What was his ceiling for the Yankees? Yeah, a super a uti- utility guy. Exactly. We knew. Yeah, a utility guy. So it, he's sort of trading um, low upside for high upside. Obviously, this guy, Ronald Herrera, I mean, I'm not going to even pretend to know anything about him. As you said, he's a minor league pitcher from the Padres. Um, but um, I think that was sort of, uh, as we talked uh, before the show, also a, a roster move where he needed, you know, Cashman needed to trade somebody off the 40 man roster to open up spots for him to make trades down down the line here. Yeah, and that's one of those, if you look at the way that the rosters are, and, and for Major League Baseball teams, the way that they have constrictions, I guess, with, with how, the, how many people they can have on the 40-man roster, uh, that does open up a spot because if you're trading minor league guys for Major League guys uh, that are going to potentially be helping this coming year, you need... You need room on that 40-man roster. So a, a move like this opens up a spot because Herrera is not going to be on the 40-man roster. He'll be, um, you know, somewhere in the minor league system. And and now there's you know flexibility to to add guys for uh, for the major league roster. So you're going to see stuff like that. You're going to see Cashman being, you know, whether I mean he, I think a, a couple of guys, Chad Jennings of, of Lohut, I know had uh, Perella as a, a DFA candidate at some point for that exact reason. You know, to open up a spot for the 40-man roster because. I mean, let's be honest, I don't think the Yankees really knew what to do with Perella if he was on the major league level. Um, every time I say Perella, I want to say, you know, what a good fella. But he... Um, okay, John Sterling. He, he really, he was that guy that they didn't really know what to do with. And, and yeah, so he was, a, I think, a likely candidate to be either moved, released. Um, yeah, so not, not, not too much of a surprise there. All right, so let's get to the good stuff. Um, they traded John Ryan Murphy to the Twins for outfielder Aaron Hicks. And when this went down, I mean, you would have thought the Yankees just traded, you know, Thurman Munson in his prime. That's how Yankees Twitter was reacting. And I like John Ryan Murphy. He's a, I thought he's a very, very good backup catcher and, um, you know, all that stuff. Seemed like a nice kid, good clubhouse guy and everything. But I think people were overreacting a little bit to the loss of John Ryan Murphy. I think the John Ryan Murphy post-game celebrations got everybody emotionally attached That's to him. That's exactly it. 
And and the fact also uh, you know early in the year the 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 move from Jr. to John Ryan he just got more notoriety than a backup catcher would normally would get, and uh, he is he was like a you know, he's a fun loving kid, uh, he he uh, he shows a, a lot of exuberance you know we saw that with, uh, you know a lot of the the, the late inning heroics with a rod and and murphy they seemed like they had a good good uh chemistry and a good relationship so yeah i i, I think that yankee fans kind of attach themselves to this guy but if you look on the field and and what the yankees did, did right there it's a solid move because one they get very they get younger in the outfield they add an athletic kid aaron hicks who was a former first round pick is uh you know he's he's a young guy and if you look at his makeup, 6'2", 200 pounds, athletic kid, steel bases. I think he had four, uh, 13 steals last year. Um, and he can hit against left-handed pitching. So, He's you know, a switch it, it, hitter. Switch hitter, which is, which is terrific for this lineup. You know, it, it adds a lot of flexibility. And, I mean, how many times did we say that they, this outfield, especially guys like Gardner and Ellsbury and obviously Beltron, they all need more rest if they're going to stay healthy. And who knows? Maybe this opens up the possibility for them to trade Gardner. But I don't think they have to trade Gardner. I, I think they can go with four outfielders next year. No, I totally agree. I think Aaron Hicks slots in in that Chris Young role. I mean, Chris Young was was lethal against left-handed pitching. Lethal maybe is an overstatement, but he was very good against left-handed pitching. And this is a guy, Hicks, who hit 307 against left-handed pitching last year, has that same type of ability, uh, but does does give you more flexibility. I think he's a he's a much better defender. He's a, he's he has to have a better arm. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you can have a worse arm than Chris Young. I mean, it, his arm, his throwing from the outfield was just brutal this and year. They know what, and they also know what Chris Young is going to be. He's never going to be more than he was last year. Aaron Hicks yeah. could, you know, absolutely definitely live up to more of the potential that he was drafted with. Yeah, 26 years old. So you're you're automatically getting younger. You have a guy that can play multiple positions. Um, and, and gives you some upside. So I think it's a good move. And Chris Young was terrific for this team. I mean, he was exactly what we needed him to be. And, and I think Aaron Hicks can be that, that similar guy, I think, just with more upside, like you said, and more flexibility in the, in the field. So How about the Twins just going for all our backup players? John yeah, they, Murphy, Eduardo Nunez, uh, Phil Hughes. Just, they just love bringing in the Yankees B squad. Yeah, hey, it's working for them. Uh, Phil Hughes had a better season. They've all done better, I think, in Minnesota. So maybe they're thinking that uh, they get the next the, the level up uh, from these guys. So look, I I hope John Ryan Murphy has a great career. I really do. I, I like the kid. He was he was good here, and I wish him the best. Um, just if we if we see them, I don't want him to do well in those particular games. So do you think that you know now the Yankees have a hole at backup catcher? So do you see them bringing in maybe a veteran type, um, a, a uh, Jose Molina type? Not specifically him, but do you remember when they had Jose Molina back there? Or do you think they'll go to their system and maybe have, um, uh, you know, they still have uh, obviously Gary Sanchez, who's um, more you know projects to be more than a backup catcher, but uh, they could get him some playing time or. Or maybe some of this other, you know, Romine, um, you know, some of these other depth guys in the system. Yeah, and I have to look to see what Romine's options are, you know, where he is with that. Because I know they brought him back. and But that's a guy that's familiar with the system who can go in there and slot in as a backup. You're going to get good defense from him. You're not going to get much on the offense side. But I honestly think that unless we see a move, unless we see, an, uh, see another move that I, I don't know if can happen too much anymore because of the depth now. Uh, but I think Gary Sanchez is is kind of on the fast track now. I think you might see him in the major leagues. So that's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. But um, I know Yankee fans are, are are kind of enamored by him now just by seeing what he's doing in the fall. And like we've been talking, we've been talking about this 
you know, every since the season has has ended, we need flexibility. We need guys to get rest. And when you have a guy with with the ability of a Gary Sanchez, you know that that's giving more opportunities for McCann to get rest behind the plate, possibly for him to slide in at first base. Uh, so I think there's, uh, you know, we're, we're getting a lot more puzzle pieces to, to to play with. McCann was fried towards the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. I'm not going to say it's going to be an equal split between him and a backup catcher, and if it is Sanchez, um, you know, I don't think it's going to be a 50-50 split. But no. there's no reason it can't be 60-40, and um, you know, have McCann sort of like you said rotate around to DH in first base. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility, so Girardi will be able to tinker and toy like he loves to do with his roster, and you know, I think McCann going to first base anyway just gives. I think the Yankees want to see him at first base a little bit more because I think down the road with the his contract he's going to be playing more at first base you know I know Bird's the future first baseman but they want to see what McCann can do there because he will get time there I think as he his uh, as he gets deeper into that contract and then also at, at DH so um, yeah I think there's just more flexibility now and with Gary Sanchez with his his bat being uh, it seems to be close to major league ready you know, I don't know if it's right, if it's there yet. We'll see how he does. But I think if he gets a, a hot spring training, you know, we're going to see him there for sure. All right. So th- this begs the question, what now happens with Brett Gardner? Um, he's been linked to trade rumors, specifically that there was a report that the Yankees have been talking to the Mariners about trading Gardner. But uh, do you see them trading Gardner now? I think this absolutely opens up the... I, I I don't know. I'd say sixty percent chance that they do trade Gardner. Okay, so major, so you're you're past the fifty fifty mark. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning towards it, and I'll, one of the big reasons I, I think why is because obviously we know his contract is movable, and and he's a major league baseball player. I mean, we we know he's a major league uh, ready talent. Now with Hicks in the outfield, with the Yankees have added uh, Aaron Hicks and that flexibility. If you look at our system, we have guys. Like um, Slate Heathcott, who can who can really just all of a sudden, or Mason Williams, who could kind of play that role as a fourth outfielder or a platoon in left field, and I think they have a lot of flexibility in the in the outfield right now with youth and similar players to Brett Gardner. That that to me, it just it just really makes a lot of sense to to move him at this point. Yeah, I mean, I agree. He's the most movable player on the on the major league roster because of his contract situation. Ellsbury is immovable at this point, unless you eat the majority of his of his money, and I don't see the Yankees doing that. So yeah, Gardner's is will get you the biggest bang for your buck if you do trade him. I I think fans will be pretty upset because he's one of the only homegrown guys on the roster, and he's been there for a while. I mean, he he came up in two thousand eight, I think. It's been a long time since he since he's been in the major leagues, but I think we've seen Gardner probably peak in his career at this point. Right. I agree with you, and I think that's another reason why they are are at a point where they can move him. I mean, I, I don't think you can understate the fact of the depth in the outfield and similar players to what we have with with the with Mason Williams and Slade Heathcott. And Slade Heathcott, you know, I mean, we know that he has been injured in the past, and he's he's kind of got a uh, a history of injuries. But he is a he's a very good player. He's he's a good outfielder. And we've seen the bat. I mean, we've seen some big hits. He's a fiery guy. He's a very similar player to to Brett Gardner. So I would not be surprised. Um, and, and the more I'm talking about it, the more I think my percentages are actually going higher of, of them be, of them trading uh, Gardner at some point. Would you like to see them get a more of a prospect package or more of a 
a ready to help you now package? Uh, prospects. I want. I want. I think I'd like to see some more prospects. I'd like to load up on arms uh, as much as possible. Yeah, I think because... that's what they, that's what I've read that the Cashman is really targeting is young arms that they can, they can control for not a lot of money. Obviously, yeah, and, that's what everyone wants. Right, and you're seeing now the 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 importance of having a deep bullpen and a deep. Uh, a deep open of, of later in the season where guys can help you out. I mean, we we rolled out the Nick Rumbelows of the world, um, and we saw we saw what they did. They were very mediocre at the end of the season. Now, while that may help them in in the future because they've got that major league experience for a little while, and it very well could. Um, but I think having a, a, a solid system of guys uh, who can who can come in and uh, and we can groom and contribute at some point whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen I think is extremely important and I don't see a lot more room in on the starting lineup as, as far as offensively for, for for guys that we need major league ready at this point yeah I, I'm kind of with you on that um, so you know talking about free agency the Yankees probably won't be in on a David Price or a Johnny Cueto or anybody of that um, sort of level I would I would at least be very surprised if I saw them hand out $200 million to a guy like that. But somebody that I have seen rumors are who's kind of on the next level down is Wei-Yin Chen, who's the um, lefty, kind of crafty lefty from the Orioles who always yep. seems to pitch six scoreless innings against the Yankees, and I don't quite know how because mm-hmm. I look at his ERA and it's like 4.2. But uh, there's been rumors that the Yankees might be interested in that guy. Yeah, he's always been a Yankee killer. He's always pitched very well. Like, you're, like you said, six innings, no runs. It's, it seems like that's what he does out of the gate with against the Yankees uh, time and time again. So he's an interesting player. Now, I know that there's a, a first-round pick attached to him, so that's why I do not see the Yankees going after him. I think a lot of that is uh, is kind of smoke and mirrors. I don't see the Yankees giving the the division rivals, uh, Orioles, a first-round pick to play with. And, I mean, that, that's huge. I mean, if you're going to give up a first-round pick for a compensation pick, it might as well be for somebody who's a little bit better than Wei and Chen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's going to slot in. If he were to come over here, he would slot in, what, four or five? Um, and that's just, to me, not worth it at that point. You yeah, know, you're overpaying for a back-of-the-rotation guy. Exactly. And and the other thing is that we've seen so many young guys, I, I, honestly, I think over the past five years, that we're seeing so many more young guys contribute faster than we've seen in the past. And, you know, maybe that's going to, like, development of the youth leagues and, and how these guys are coming out and uh, and obviously no more steroids, so it's kind of leveling the playing field a little bit more. But we're seeing younger guys contribute a lot faster than we have in the past. And a first-round pick, uh, it, to me, is, is just too valuable at this point. Um, so, I mean, the Orioles are in, a, in an interesting situation. You know, one thing we also have to keep an eye on in this offseason is some of the other teams in our division and what they do. Uh, the Orioles are probably going to lose Chen, and they might lose uh, Chris Davis as well. So they could really take a step back next year. No, absolutely. And I thought this year was uh, was a year that they were going to take a step back, and it seemed like they did. Because it seems like they've never really gotten their pitching staff together. Uh, no, they, it's always ha- been a collection of guys who are just like very big question marks who just kind of keep you in the game and let that offense go to work. Yeah, until they get traded to the Cubs, and then they become Cy Young uh, <laughs> candidates. But it's it's funny when because I mean, speaking of obviously Jake Arrieta, who was not the same pitcher when he went over to Chicago that we saw in in Baltimore. I don't know what the big change was, but 
uh, yeah, he he definitely he definitely was a different guy when he left. But that's one thing that the Orioles, if they do lose a lot of their offensive power, I mean, I thought Nelson Cruz last year was going to be a huge hole in their lineup. Chris Davis definitely took a lot of that uh, a lot of that support and and kind of added it back because he had a down year when Nelson Cruz was on on fire with the Orioles. So that definitely helped a lot. Chris, Chris, Chris Davis's bat not being in that lineup is going to be a big deal for them. Yeah, but I also think whoever signs Chris Davis is going to have to give him a hundred million bucks, and they're going to regret it because this guy is a two hundred strikeout a year guy, and that just does not play right now in baseball. I mean, look at the Royals; they don't strike out at all. They won right. the World Series. I mean, yeah, he can he can hit thirty five bombs for you, but I mean the, that kind of that kind of offense was was more around in two thousand. Five, not 2015. Yeah, and I think we saw a lot of that with the Yankees this year, uh, just because we were we were so so live and die by the long ball. And if it if it didn't happen, we didn't have very many guys on base. And you're right, I, the way that baseball is trending, it's it's more of the sabermetrics: get on base, get them up, get them over, get them in uh, type of type of baseball. And and he just does not add to that. But yeah, they their their big thing is is their is their pitching. And you're seeing a lot of their their prospects, the guys like Dylan Bundy, who just got hurt again. <laughs> he just got hurt again. He's he's been continuously hurt and their prospects are just not working out for them. And uh that's gonna be a big a big problem for them because they kind of have to reset their 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 minor league system in the sense of, of pitching. I mean, they just don't have the pitching. They may have missed their window, the Orioles. As far as, yeah, as, I agree far with as that. winning uh, a championship. Just because you see the division, the Red Sox and Yankees were, were down, and the Orioles won the division, but they couldn't really get over the hump in the playoffs. And, um, you know, Adam Jones, kind of probably their best player, he's he's not getting any better each year. I mean, not saying he's getting worse, but he's he's probably in his prime now. I mean, I guess Machado is... Machado is definitely there, too. But, yeah. I mean, they're going to lose, like we said, Chris Davis, Wei in Chen. Um you know who knows? They, I I really don't see them being a contender for for the division next year. No, and I think in a couple more years when they when they, I don't think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to be kind of dwelling uh, basement dwellers. Yankee fans who like to travel to Baltimore are going to get their ten dollars seats back first, like first five rows. Yeah, in Camden Yards, and those those were the glory days when we <laughs> you could go to Baltimore and and sit you know behind the uh, third base dugout for like fifteen bucks. Absolutely, yeah. I remember <laughs> I went down with my. I went on a trip. Um, oh God, this had to have been 2005 or 2006. I went for a trip with my family, and we bought tickets for the Saturday game, like online. And we get there Friday afternoon, and we're like, "You want to just see if there's tickets?" And we we went up. I think we paid like 25 bucks, and yeah, like you said, we were we were like uh, infield about 40 rows back. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah, my brother used to live in Baltimore, and he went for he was getting his uh, his master's degree there, so he was in school. And they had a student special. This was like five years ago, six years ago. It was just before they got good, so I don't. Maybe it was a little bit longer than that. But um, I mean, so they would they would sell they would sell the students tickets for like I swear to God like four dollars, and he would text me pictures, and he'd be sitting like ten rows back. It was unbelievable. Yeah, just get him in the stadium. Yeah, have, and you can you can beer. always move up too. Yeah, you can always move up in that place. So. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have uh, if they start sucking again, we can get some. We should start some road trips going. Yeah, down maybe that'll be the Bronx pinstripe road trip. Perfect. Let's do it. We could take over Camden Yards. Um, <clears throat> so uh, the other team in the division that made a splash this this week was the Sox. They traded for Craig Kimbrell, who was linked to the Yankees, especially at the deadline. Um, Kimbrell is locked up 
through the 2017 season, and then those Red Sox will have an option on him for the 2018 season. Um, but they traded two pretty high prospects in their system. I think I read that the prospect, the shortstop prospect they traded was ranked fifth in their system, and then the center field prospect was ranked seventh in the system. So two top seven guys for a closer who's signed to big money. It was definitely a need for them because their bullpen was all the whole pitching staff was awful. Right. Um, so that definitely fills a need. But you know, if we put it into Yankee terms, that would be like trading Greg Bird and Jorge Mateo for Craig Kimbrell. Well, the difference is the is the depth, right? So the shortstop yes. the shortstop is is a is a guy like, yes, you have Bogarts in front of you, so so that's what seems to be their long-term shortstop. You never know. You want some depth there. But the outfield prospect, I mean, they have – it seems like every single day they have a new outfielder coming out that's just a stud. Um, you know, that's a, and a young kid. I mean, with, with uh, the guy they got from Cuba um, and then the, the two Betts and um, – uh, Jackie, Jackie Bradley, Bradley Jr. Yeah. yeah, they have they have their outfield is completely stacked. I mean, that's that's a probably the fastest outfield that I've seen in a very long time in Major League Baseball. So they have a lot of depth in their system when it comes to that. I'm surprised that they gave up guys like that for a closer. To tell you the truth, I thought they were going to be uh, they were turning they were going to turn a lot more of these prospects into a starting pitcher. That's the Dombrowski way. I mean, he he's fine with trading young talent for for established veterans. But he, did he did that in Detroit. Yeah, I know, but I'm surprised they did it in the back of the bullpen and not the front of the rotation. That's where I thought they were going to be going. Why? Well, because you got to get to the back of the bullpen. Yeah, that's good. That's got to be their next step. There's no way the Red Sox are coming out of this offseason without having signed either David Price, Jordan Zimmerman, Johnny Cueto, somebody like that. Yeah, and the back of their, their pen is definitely getting older. Um you know, they're what I think he's the, the closer. Uh, Koji was how old is he? 42? Uh, 40, Four, yeah, he's past he's 40, 40 plus, and he was injured this past year. So, we're gonna see, we're definitely gonna see him move into the eighth inning. And you know, he's another year older, so who, who knows what he's gonna be if he can continue what he had done in the past. His contract might be up too. I think they sent him to a two year deal after the 2013 season. I saw reports of him being okay moving to the eighth inning. So okay. that uh, you see, he's locked up, I think, for at least one more year. I don't know what his contract is, but um, so they will probably have that eighth, ninth inning guy. But uh, you know, look, Kimbrel's another guy who's never pitched in the in the uh, American League. So he went from the Braves yeah. to the Padres, and I don't know how much that makes a difference. In, I, I don't in, think in the back make, end. It doesn't make. My opinion is it doesn't play as much in the in the bullpen as it does in the rotation. It actually might even help because the hitters haven't seen him as much. Yeah, but they'll have. I mean, they'll see him. You know, after the first month of the season, two months of the season, and the American League just has more guys on their on their uh, who are able to to hit hit the long ball at the end of the game or, or get on base or whatnot. So I don't know. It probably doesn't play that much into it. But um, I, I was surprised when they. I was surprised when I heard the deal. To tell you the truth, all I know is Yankee fans be ready to be annoyed by this guy and his and his setup with his arm hanging out and he sort of bends over, um, sort of you know. Brings me back to Papelbon face, Papelbon. which annoyed the crap out of me. And now it's going to be Kimbrell arm or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how the, the rest of their, their lineup uh, shakes out. I mean, the, offensively, they, they really started turning it on at the end of the year, the Red Sox. And, uh, but, but their biggest bugaboo was, that, was the beginning, uh, the, the, the rotation. I mean, they had a bunch of, uh, you know, number three guys. And that's, I think, being generous. And yeah, exactly. They're gonna need to sign a number one pitcher, or else they're gonna be. I think they'll be better than last year, 
but they're not gonna they're not gonna compete for the division with a so bunch you, of number four and five number three four five starters. Do you see them? Sign, I mean, Price and uh, Dombrowski have a, a history. Do you see them signing Price or Aquato? Yes, they'll get they'll get either Aquato, Price, or Zimmerman. I would probably or, or Granky. I would. Mm, I don't see them signing Granky only because first of all, I think the Dodgers re-sign Granky. I think I honestly think there's some hesitation with Granky and his his mental makeup. And also coming back to the American League, I would if I had to rank it, I would say the Red Sox go Price is their number one target, Cueto is their number two target, and then um, Zimmerman would be their number three. Yeah, yeah, I see Price. I see a, a Price uh, Boston. He I, for some reason he he loves the American League East. I don't see him leaving it. And hey, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Price isn't a good pitcher, but his playoff record. Is not good, and it, he did not have a good playoffs this year with the Blue Jays. So, I know we talked about this, and that it shouldn't hurt. You don't think it'll hurt his value? No. I still think he's going to get huge money. But if I was a team, I would be pretty worried about it. I just don't want to see him anymore because he's proof that he can beat the Yankees. <laughs> uh, you know, over the past the the second half of the year, whenever David Price played the New York Yankees, we lost the game. So it seemed like it seemed like he was, uh, you know, I know he had a terrible record and a, and a, bloat, a, a extremely bloated ERA against the Yankees before the second half of this year when he went to Toronto. But for whatever reason, he turned it on and he was, looked like a different guy against us. So, you know, hopefully the Yankees can, you know, shake up their roster a little bit and be not so left-handed, uh, left-handed heavy and be able to, you know, make that adjustment for a, a left-handed <clears throat> pitcher. So we'll see what happens. But uh, to me, I, I personally wouldn't, wouldn't mind if he left the AL East. So, one of the teams is going to... So, the Blue Jays are probably going to lose price. So, they're going to take a step back. But then the Red Sox are probably going to sign a, a good pitcher. So, they're going to take a step forward. So, you know, obviously it's still early. But I still see the American League East sort of all clumped together next year. Yeah, it's going to be another dogfight. I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays roster, as far as their offense, is still going to be stacked. I mean, they, these guys are not going anywhere. So their offense is still going to be filthy. Plus and, a and full that, year of Tulo up Exactly. Up yeah, and, and you know, the, that lineup can absolutely carry a team. And they're going to lose Burley, too, I think. So Burley will be gone. Um, is he retiring? There were talks of him retiring. Then I heard him going to to St. Louis because it's his hometown, which I could totally see. I could. He just seems like a perfect fit for the St. Louis Cardinals. God, and you know he'll win like fourteen games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he'll win more than that probably. I mean, it seems he seems like a uh, like a perfect fit for one more year over there, especially with the the injury to um, Lance Lynn. They they need a, another starting pitcher. So. Um, yeah, so they're losing. They're losing a lot of their rotation. Uh, they'll have uh, another full year from you know some of their their young guys, and uh, but that, again, that offense can carry a, a team. And if they can just get decent pitching, they're going to be they're going to be right there in it. Yes, um, it's kind of it's kind of been exciting off season thus far, even though it's still very very early. I see more moves coming. I see a lot more moves coming. I think Cashman is going to be aggressive. I agree with the you know the a lot of the beat guys saying that they're going to be aggressive with the trades. You know, now Yankee fans probably are a little bit hesitant to hear that because they don't want to get rid of a lot of their young talent. Um, but I still see them going after guys, but using our depth. I don't think you're going to see a lot of like the big names that we're really really excited about getting moved. And I'm totally I, well, oh okay being moved. Yes, I agree with that. I thought you were going to say. Um, being signed no i well that too but i don't see a lot of the the big names in our system being moved i don't see the judges the birds um no i mean unless it's for a impact player on your roster now right i'd be pretty pissed 
Yeah, and I just I don't see that guy out there. So I, second base to me is still just a complete mystery. I don't know what they're going to do or what, you know, obviously there's so many hesitations about Ref Snyder. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they got rid of, if they traded Ref Snyder. I, I hope it doesn't happen, but it would not surprise me if they did something but, at second base. Honestly, what would be the point? Okay. Ref Snyder, we all love Ref Snyder. We think that he can be a very solid second baseman, but what is his value on the open market? Are you really going to get an impact player for, for a Ref Snyder unless you package him with somebody else? Well, that's so, exactly it. I think he's So doesn't he have more value to the Yankees seeing if he can play the position versus trading him? I totally agree. I mean, I think he's got more value even if he was in AAA and stayed at the position for a year and gave you a full year so that you could see what he does. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot more value to hold on to him than get rid of him. But if he's packaged in into a, a deal, I could see that going down. Like a Gardner plus Ref Snyder package exactly. or something? Something like that. Something like that I could see I could see working, uh, you know, or Cashman has. But just because I don't know what they're doing at second base. It's still there's no just one, so much no speculation. One, dude, yeah. no one knows what they're doing at second base. Right. So so who knows, man? They're keeping, I, it, know. they're keeping it tight under wraps. Kind of Cashman's being mysterious with that position. They they definitely are. They they you know the the Ackley Ref Snyder platoon has has surfaced, uh, but that's you know who who knows with that. That's that's such a cop out answer. Oh yeah, there's going to be a platoon. So that that's that's a non answer to me. I know people have been getting having fun with this one, and I, I don't really see it happening. But it's been all over different media reports of uh, an Ellsbury guard or I'm sorry, an Ellsbury Cano flip right. with with someone eating contract because both contracts are are you know extremely extremely large and and each player is probably not going to live up to those contracts um but you know with cano not having the greatest year or it's a couple years over there and then gardner being or uh keep saying gardner ellsbury being from the the seattle area you know i think he's from oregon right yeah Yes. Well, it's it, he's from that area, the north, the, the northwest, northwest, the Pacific Northwest. So, <laughs> I love how we call Oregon the Seattle area, but we yeah. would, we would never call like Washington D.C. the New York area. But it's essentially essentially the same mileage. It's it's completely tucked into the, everything the, west the of Mississippi yeah. is the same. Exactly above California, it's it's all the same up there. But yeah, so they uh, that that's something that's like a sexy thing to think about that could be. I don't see that happening. I don't see it happening either. That would be I, Cashman I, admitting mistake, and I certainly don't see that happening. Well, on two fronts. I mean, I don't, I don't know, because they'd be coming back with Cano, and I think Yankee fans would be very okay with that. Right, they'd be saying, okay, this was a mistake to not sign Cano, and it was also a mistake to sign Ellsbury. Yeah, but I don't see it happening. I mean, if you pulled that one off, that would be... Uh, that would be a Christmas miracle, but I don't see it happening. I mean, Cano is absolutely more valuable to the Yankees than he is to the Seattle Mariners. There's no doubt about it. And he's also With the way that he's, he's a better player, even though he had a, a down year for him. He's a better player than Ellsbury. Yes, but he's also a better player here than he is there. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah no doubt. I mean, he just fits this lineup so much more in the stadium so much more. So, Ellsbury yeah. has some making up to do as well. He does have some making up to do to the Yankees, to the Yankee fans, I think. I think to everybody, he really has a lot to prove at this point. I mean, because he's he's shown he's shown nothing compared to what that contract. He's, so he's give. played two seasons. Obviously, he's been hurt, but I would say he's played a month and a half of good baseball. He had a really good start to this season, and if you remember last year, um, they plugged him into the number three hole uh, at some point in the middle of the season, and he had a really good, you know, three four weeks. And other than that, it's been below average. 
Yeah, I agree. And especially for that contract, when you're looking at expectations, he hasn't touched it. But, I mean, we've seen what he can do in small spurts. So if for some way this, this guy can, can put it together for a long, a long stretch and a longer period, then, you know, we have an absolutely dynamic player. But he's just – he hasn't proved that in a long time. So, so uh, I, it's, I, it's hard, I to, it's hard want, to think that that's going to happen. I think what is very um, alluring to the Yankees management and Joe Girardi is that they saw how successful Ellsbury Gardner at the top of the order can be. Right. The, the first two months of the season, whatever it was, however many games until Ellsbury got hurt, that was dynamic. It was probably the best one-two in baseball. But how long can they expect that to hold up next year? I mean, we saw that this year. Both guys, t- I mean, Gardner fell off, injured, or Ellsbury got hurt, and then when he came back was never, I mean, never yeah. even remotely close to a similar player or even any kind of an impact bat. I mean... He was getting the two of them were getting benched, and we just didn't know who was going to play because they were both equally as bad. So it was, yeah, they, they, you just can't expect it. Zero that, percent chance they stay healthy and and good all next year. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, and I just don't see it. Uh, that's why I think that that one of these guys gets moved, and and the likely candidate is Brett Gardner. So. All right, so we did not receive any voicemails or mailbags this week, but I want to try something that will hopefully get uh, some more action in the mailbags uh, going forward. So I want to pose a question of the week, and then I want to ask everyone listening to submit answers to the question either through the uh, mailbag link on the website or through Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is. And I'll post this question on Twitter and stuff so you can see it. But um, the, the question simply is, if you were Brian Cashman, what would be your number one move in the offseason? Um, everyone's loves to play GM. So we'll read those on next episode. Uh, hopefully we get some submissions there. Yeah, definitely. I think playing GM is one of the more fun things to do in the offseason, especially now with all these all the rumors swirling and and you know all the beat guys trying to make headlines looking for for the the one rumor that hits or the you know their one insider tip that hits so we should see what happens it's going to be an interesting offseason from here on we've already had some some good spark you know with uh with a few names that we all know and bringing back some i think some some good uh some good some good talent. I think Cashman's done so so good so far. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, everybody keep your ear to the ground. Don't be fooled on Twitter by fake reports, fake Ken Rosenthal's or whatever. I always love when I get those retweeted onto my timeline. But it's fun to play manager April to September, October, and then it's fun to play GM the rest of the year. Yeah, and one thing that we're going to be doing in this offseason, and, and check this probably, I'd say, uh, middle of December, just before the holidays, but we're, we're going to be start, we're going to open up um, a forum, a Yankees forum on the BronxPinstripes.com where we're, uh, a few things, we're going to have a lot of conversations about potential moves and just getting more, uh, more of the Yankee fans and, and guys who are on Twitter who respond to a lot of things that we put on, but have more of a, a lengthy conversation that you can have in a forum and more of a discussion. Um, obviously, you're not restricted by the the Twitter character limit, and you can just have more of a discussion and, and get to know more Yankee fans. And I know Pinstripe Prospects is going to be uh, very involved in the forum as well. So we're going to have a, a lot of the insiders for the prospects um, involved in that forum, and then a lot of the Yankee, uh, Yankee writers on Bronx Pinstripes are going to be involved. So definitely check that out and keep that in mind. Um, you know, coming up in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll, we're going to be getting that involved. I'm kind of building it out right now, so it's uh, so it's a good place for us to have good conversations. Sounds awesome. And uh, don't forget to call the voicemail line. Let's see if I can remember the number this week. 646-480-0342. Got it. Yes. I, I listened back to what I said, and I think so, an alien took over my body, and I just I said random You numbers. had a stroke. Had <laughs> I a don't know what happened. Because those, those, the last four of those numbers are no numbers associated to me. 
I have no idea what was going on there. I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe I was sleeping. Now no, we now know Andrew's pin to his bank account. <laughs> you guys figured it out. <laughs> All right, man. Any last words? No, that's it. I'm I'm looking forward to to see what Cashman does uh, leading forward, man. And, and I'm I'm looking forward to more speculation. Speculation is fun. Yes, yes. All right, good stuff. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.